Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Genesis chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping and judgment today. Sowing and reaping judgment, hallelujah. In Genesis 8, 22, the Bible says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, none of these things shall cease. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. And this is a declaration by God that's called the law of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest is a law. It's also known as sowing and reaping. And this is a law that always works. And it will continue to work as long as the earth remains. If you sow... You will reap. If you plant, you will harvest. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Paul probably learned that from Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, where God also declared that every seed will produce after its own kind. Every seed after its own kind. And then in verse 8, Paul says, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I don't think I have to tell you which one is better, do I? Life everlasting is better than corruption. And just as surely as everything in nature reproduces after its own kind, a harvest always brings forth what was sowed. So every man will reap what he sows and be responsible for his own destiny. And if you always sow to the desires of the flesh, then you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the desires of the spirit or you follow the spirit, you're a doer of the word, you will reap life everlasting. Paul's talking about the law of seed time and harvest from Genesis chapter 8. And the Bible is very clear about this concept. It tells us there will be a time of planting and a time of harvesting, a time of sowing and a time of reaping. And another interesting thing about the law of sowing and reaping is that you always reap more than you sow. And that's really a wonderful promise. I mean, you plant one apple seed and you get a whole tree full of apples and every apple has seeds in itself. So you get to eat the apple and you get to plant more seeds. And so, you know, in other words, you not only reap what you sow, but you reap it in abundance. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But this is how the kingdom of God operates. And this is how God brings increase to a believer's life. This is the whole concept of the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, this law also works when you plant bad seeds. Not every seed is good. Amen. And, and remember what Paul said, whatever a man sows, 
that shall he also reap. So you sow good and you reap good. You sow bad seed and you will reap a bad harvest. And people don't understand this sowing and reaping process because they sow bad seed for years. And then when their harvest comes in and they're reaping bad things from the seeds they sown, they're wondering why. Why is this happening to me? Why are these bad things happening to me? And some people even blame God for their problems. I mean, it's our nature. We like to blame other people. But, you know, in a pinch, we will even blame God for what's happened in our life. And, you know, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden, the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree, I don't know if it was an apple tree like in the movie. It was some kind of fruit, though. And, you know, uh, God says, uh, what have you done? And, of course, Eve blames the devil. She said, the devil, he did deceive me, and I did eat. And then uh, I gave to my husband, Adam, who was with me. And so God looks at Adam, and Adam said, this woman that thou hast given me gave me to eat, and I did eat. And so he not only blamed the woman, but then he turned it and blamed God because God's the one who gave him the woman. And this has been going on ever since the garden. And, and people just don't understand God, that he's a good God. He doesn't judge everybody, but he gets blamed for everything. And the insurance companies blame him for every tragedy that comes along. You know, your roof gets blown off the house, and they call it an act of God. There's a tornado, a hurricane, a flood. It's an act of God. Any tragedy, anytime something ha happens bad, when you get your insurance form, it's going to say, by act of God. And yet it's not an act of God. God didn't do it. God didn't cause it. It's an act of the devil. And, and we've read this before in John 10.10. 10, it says the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. So it's the devil's job to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus gives life. He doesn't steal, kill, or destroy. And it seems like people get Jesus and the devil mixed up all the time. And, they, you know, it's like the Bible says the devil steals, kills, and destroys. God gives abundant life. And they never switch places. They never trade jobs. The devil always steals, kills, and destroys. And God always gives life and that more abundantly. But it's because of this mentality, and this is what I want to look at for a minute. It's a mentality that's in the world that... Uh, cause people to think that God is unfair and unjust, and it's because of beliefs like this. It's because of insurance companies saying that things are an act of God when they're not. And I've witnessed to people that are actually mad at God for all kinds of things that happen in their life. Mad at God. I mean, it takes a lot of nerve to get mad at God, to be mad at God, especially when he's been nothing but good to you. God has always got, done good things for you. And when something bad happens, you blame God. It's God's fault, just like Eve, or Adam said. Uh, it's this woman that you gave me. If you wouldn't have given me this woman, I would have never ate of that fruit. It's your fault, God. And so, you know, a person's life is all messed up because of choices that they made. And, and, uh, and because they're reaping what they've sowed. They've sowed some bad seed, and now their harvest is coming in. And they need to blame somebody for it because it's certainly not their fault. I, I seen a meme on Facebook, I don't know, last week sometime. 
and it had three men of the same color, and they're standing in front of a judge. And we'll just say that these three men are Italians. Three Italians standing in front of this judge. One was a sheriff's deputy, one was a lawyer, and the other one was a criminal. And uh, the meme said this, these men are not standing here because of the color of their skin, they're standing here because of choices that they made. And, I mean, all three of them, stop and think about a minute. One planted seeds to become a sheriff. Now, he obviously had to go to school for that. He had to learn that. He had to desire that. And he become a sheriff. Another one planted seeds to become a lawyer. He had to go to school. He had to work hard, study hard. And he reaped that harvest. And then the third one decided he wasn't going to do nothing. He would just steal from other people. He became a criminal. And so they're all reaping what they sowed. And so it doesn't make any difference the color of our skin or where we came from or what our background is. We all have choices to make. And we can choose to do what's right or we can choose to do what's wrong. Amen? But most people, like I said, like to blame others for their lot in life, even God. And it's not God's fault. I mean, blaming God is easier than taking responsibility for yourself. You know, Eve... Uh, blamed the devil, Adam blamed Eve, and then he blamed God for giving him Eve, and that takes the, the pressure off of him, the responsibility off of him. But it never works out good for people that do that. When you blame others, you never correct your problems because it was never your fault. It was somebody else's. And so we need to take responsibility, and we need to change the things that's wrong in our lives, and we need to make better choices. Amen? Amen. And then people say this. If he's a God of love, then why are all these bad things happening in the world? And, you know, they're not saying it, but they're inferring that everything bad in the world is God's fault. And uh, there's war, there's starvation, sickness, incurable diseases, babies being born with deformities, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Why is God letting this happen? I'll tell you what the answer to that question is. It's not God, it's man and his stupid ideas. It's what man has been doing down through the centuries that got this world in the mess that it's in. It's man's fault. God didn't have anything to do with it. All God did was the same thing he did for Adam and Eve. He gave them a free choice, a will. But he also trained them and told them what to choose. He said, choose this tree, don't choose that tree. And so out of their disobedience, all of this junk come into the world. And it's because of man's disobedience and his zest and his desire for power that all of these things are messed up in the world. You know, we have crazy dictators in crazy countries because they want all the control. They want all the power. That's their choice. God don't have anything to do with that. God gave him a free will and he lets them exercise it just like he lets you exercise your free will. God gets a, accused of a lot of things that he didn't do. Amen. And, you know, the devil works very hard to get people to believe that all these things are caused by God for one reason. It takes a spotlight off of him so he can work behind the scenes and get more done. And not only that, but if he can get you to believe that God is to blame for all the tragedies in life, then he knows it will cause you to pull away from God. Because who wants to serve a God that causes all these problems and tragedies in life? And he knows it will cause you to pull away from him. And you'll never really get to know him and know how good he actually is. Don't take my word for it. Get in the Bible and see for yourself how good God is. 
You know, someone once told me, I tried to read the Bible, but all I read was God going into these countries that he didn't belong and killing everybody and stealing their land. I said, you started reading in the wrong place. I said, get in the New Testament, get to know God first, and then go back to the Old Testament and read it, you know. God was just taking back what belonged to him. And God was just, it was an act of mercy for him to annihilate races and entire nations because all they were doing was having children and populating hell with them. So when he killed them all, he stopped that cycle, quit populating hell. It was a merciful thing for him to do. Amen. And as far as taking the land, it belonged to him because the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs to God. He just taken back what uh, was, was stolen from him. Praise the Lord. Anyway, it's, it's because we have misunderstanding. We don't understand God the way that we should. He's a good God. Everything he does, even when it doesn't sound right, he does it out of mercy and love. Here's one of the biggest misunderstandings that we've had to deal with as ministers. If God loves us so much, then why does he send people to hell? And he doesn't. I mean, why would people even think he would send anyone to hell when in reality he crucified his only son? So people wouldn't have to go to hell. Sacrifice his only son so you don't have to go to hell. Now, if you choose not to accept God's plan of salvation, if you choose not to accept his way of escape from hell, then that's a choice that you made. Don't blame God for it. God didn't send you to hell. You're going to hell because you rejected his only plan for salvation, which is his son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. If you reject that, it's a choice that you made. Don't blame God for it. Amen. Amen. But people that are against God really don't know him, and that's why they hate him so much. They never took the time to get to know him. But since they can't touch God, they turn their hatred towards people that have God in them. (coughs) Excuse me. Hallelujah. A little dry. Daryl, would you kick that air on over there? I don't think it's on. It's getting a little warm in here. Hallelujah. But they turn their hatred towards Christians. Why? Because they see God in a Christian, and they hate God. And that's the bottom line. And and that's why Christians are being persecuted and killed throughout the world. They're being persecuted even in this country now. Maybe not being killed yet, but they're being persecuted in this country for the same reason. Because people hate God, and they want to blame him for everything bad that's ever happened in their lives. (coughs) Hallelujah. The unrest that we have in this country right now, it's not, a, uh, it's not a struggle between Republicans and Democrats. It's not a struggle between religions. It's not a struggle between black and white. It's a struggle between good and evil. It's a struggle between uh, God and the devil. And I don't care any way you cut it. That's what it boils down to. It's a struggle who, between God who wants to give abundant life and the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is what we're seeing in our country today. Things are being stolen, things are being killed, things are being destroyed. And God is trying to restore, replace. Amen? He's a God of restoration. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, he says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. That's what we're struggling against. That's what the battle's against. Don't get nervous. I don't have COVID. I got an allergy problem here this morning. <laughs> Start giving me that evil eye because I have a runny nose or something. But everything that's going on in the world today is a direct result of that spiritual battle that's going on in the heavenlies right now. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle for the souls of men and the souls of women, the souls of our children. It just shows up on the earth through the hatred that the devil has stirred up in people, and it becomes a battle of flesh and blood. Because most people don't know how to handle the spiritual battle. So they look at the, uh, somebody else and they, they try to handle it. I'll just fight him because he's got God in him. I'll fight him because he's got the devil in him. But the battle's really up there. Yes. Hallelujah. I hear people say all the time, God is not fair. He's always judging somebody. I used to think that way myself. I used to think God was just standing up there waiting for me to mess up so he could judge me and hit me in the head with a baseball bat. I actually felt like that about God. And why? Because I didn't know him. I didn't know how much he loved me. But they say, why did this happen to me? Why did he cause this? Why did he cause that? You know, as a pastor, as pastors, my wife and I have done a lot of funerals and grief counseling. And one of the first things we hear is, why did God take my loved one from me? Why did they have to suffer the way they did? I prayed and God let them die. Nothing happened. And, and where was God? And why did he let this happen? And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. They just do. And I don't know why we can't have answers for all of our questions. But one thing I do know is where God was when these things happened. He was in the same place. He was when they crucified his son and they scourged his son. He was in heaven looking down with a broken and grieving heart. Amen. And, and that's the way we have to look at him. He didn't cause that. He didn't allow that. I mean, and I, don't get me wrong now. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people die because they're reaping what they sowed. Although sometimes that is the case. Sometimes people lose their life because they reap some bad things and they caught up with them and, and they reap the harvest from it. But I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that to try to illustrate uh, how a lot of people think and the mentality of a lot of people. Because you can tell that by the questions they ask and the way that they're talking. And people think God is a harsh uh, God of judgment, and he's always judging and passing sentence on people. And that's a general mentality, but it's not true. As a matter of fact, I can't think of one person that God judged since he's judged his son on the cross. Amen. Jesus was the last person that God actually judged on this earth, and I don't think he's judged anybody since. Uh, I think there's been a whole lot of sowing and reaping going on, but it hasn't been God judging people. Now, he's been accused of judging people a lot of times, and probably because of what people have read in the Old Testament, but that was under the law. And even then, God would give them a chance to repent. And, and, and through obedience to the word and what he tells them to do, 
uh, they had a chance of not reaping that harvest they, they uh, sowed. They had a chance of not being judged by God. The last thing God wanted to do, even in the Old Testament, was judge somebody. He would rather they repent, recognize that they did wrong, change their wicked ways, and, and, and let God heal them than judge them. And we're living in the age of grace. That's what the church age is. It's the age of grace. God is pouring out mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And uh, he's, he's a God of patience, a God that gives us space to repent. But sooner or later, our harvest comes in, and we reap what we sowed. And when it happens, we want to blame God or somebody else, and we want to accuse him of judging us. But we can't because we did it to ourselves. I mean, how did I go from sowing and reaping to judgment? Because so many people are reaping things that they sowed and then turning around and accusing God of judging them and blaming God for being mean and unfair and unjust. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why did God allow this to happen to me? Now, don't get me wrong. There's coming a time of judgment. Uh, Right after the rapture of the church, God is going to judge this world, and he's not only going to judge it, but he's going to pour his wrath out on this world. Make no mistake about that. We don't want to be here. We don't have to be here. And people that are left here are going to be shaking their fists at God, saying, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow me to be stuck here? Why didn't I go to heaven with everybody else that got raptured? And it's going to be because they chose to stay here. He's made a provision for him. But even in the time of his judgment and wrath, his judgment remains righteous and true, fair and just. I mean, just read the book of Revelation. It's a terrible time of judgment. God is pouring out his wrath in many different forms. You know, the, the uh, seals and then the uh, trumpet judgments and the, the, the bowl judgments. All judgment is coming on the earth, and, and then the wrath that follows. And all it does to avoid that judgment is the same thing it, it took in the Old Testament. Repent and obey the word. Listen to what God is saying. Do what he says. And in, in some cases, repentance and obedience, you know, turning around and doing, being sorry for what you did and turning around and doing what's right, sometimes that will pluck up a bad harvest for you. Sometimes that'll pull up some, some seed and some seedlings that you don't want to reap later around. So, you know, it, it would probably do good for us to repent of some things. I'm sure we all got a crop waiting to be harvested out there that we don't want to harvest. And maybe through repentance and, and uh, getting forgiven for it and uh, obedience, you might avoid that crop. God may, may curse that crop for you. Now, there's some crops we sow seeds for that we can't curse. We can't avoid that harvest is coming in. Amen. Because some things can't be changed. Some things are set in law, in motion through spiritual laws that cannot be broken. Amen. Amen. You have a child out of wedlock, you can be forgiven for that. But the child is still here. That's a harvest from a seed you planted. So you got to take care of that child. You got to raise that child. No matter how sorry you are that you did that and fornicated, no matter how hard you repent or whatever, you still have that child. That's something that you can't avoid. Amen. 
And that's the way it is with some seeds that are planted. We're going to get a harvest whether we want it or not. Amen. Amen. Paul said in the latter part of Hebrews 10.31, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And this is talking about judgment. There is nothing more horrifying than being judged by God and then experiencing his wrath. And, and, but no one has experienced that more than his son, Jesus. Jesus actually experienced God's judgment and then experienced his wrath, which was being crucified on a cross. Jesus experienced that. But like I said, judgment is coming. But right now, God is just pouring out mercy and grace. He's trying to get everybody saved that he can possibly do. He's patient, and he's waiting for the time when the precious fruit of the earth, the souls, will be harvested. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you bring me some cleanings, please? Praise the Lord. Just an irritating drip. But don't worry, I'll keep my six feet. I wear my mask when I get up. Hallelujah. James chapter 5, verses 4 through 9 says, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the, eye, the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth, which is the Lord of the harvest, which is God himself. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. In other words, you're getting away with what you're getting away with because God is not judging you, and he's not resisting you right now. He's letting you do your thing. He says, be patient, therefore, brethren. He's talking to the church now. Unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman, which is God, the farmer, the one who planted the seeds, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, which is the souls of mankind, and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rains. In other words, he's going to wait till the very last minute before he puts in that sickle and harvests the souls of this earth. He wants to get every last soul that he can possibly get saved before he harvests. And then he said in verse 8, be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren. In other words, get along. Your brothers and sisters, try to get along. He said, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. The judge is standing at the door. That means judgment is coming it's close. It's standing at the door. God is warning us. He's trying to get us ready uh, because he's going to judge the world. But he hasn't started yet. He's being patient, long-suffering. He's saying the earth is going to be judged as a whole, and that's going to take place right after the rapture of the church takes place, or shortly thereafter. But in spite of everything that's going on right now, our nation is a blessed nation because God's hand is upon it. God loves this country. And I know he has a special place in his heart for this country. And I know that doesn't sound right because we think God is no respecter of persons. But there are some things that God respects. 
He said, if you honor me, I will honor you. And he may not be a respecter of, a, of persons, but he's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of people that will stand up for him. And, and uh, besides, uh, aside from this nation, or be, aside from the nation of Israel, no other nation in the world has ever honored God more than this nation. No other nation in the world has ever blessed God more than this nation has. This nation was built upon Judeo-Christian principles, and his name is in the founding documents of our country. The founding fathers have him interwoven into all the documents of the, of the United States, including the Constitution. And besides that, more, no other nation has promoted the gospel of Jesus Christ more than this nation has. No other nation has raised up more missionaries and and uh, harvest workers than this nation has. And it's because of this nation that other nations are being blessed and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're sending them there. God has a special place in his heart for this country, and I just don't believe that God is going to stand idly by and allow this country to be destroyed. I just don't believe that's going to happen. And, and uh, here's the main reason. No other country has ever stood by Israel the apple of God's eye like this country has. This is the most blessed and prosperous country for one reason and one reason only, because we have blessed Israel and haven't brought any harm to Israel. We come close for about eight years, but we didn't. We didn't completely turn our back on Israel. Thank God that didn't happen, because God would have lifted his hand from this country, and there's no telling where we would be today. It's because of that promise that God made. He said, I'll bless them that bless you, Israel, and I will curse them that curse you. Amen. And we're blessed because we bless Israel. All the families of the earth, he said, are blessed. First of all, because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came out of his chosen people, came out of Israel. By him coming out of Israel, he blessed the entire world. But we're a blessing to the world because we're taking Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. God has a special place in his heart for this country. God doesn't want our country to lose its freedom to worship and freedom of religion because uh, that's one of the first things that will happen. Uh, we'll lose our re religious freedom, our religious rights to worship. We won't be able to stand here like I am this morning and preach the word of God. We won't have a place to come and, and worship, and, and they would, uh, certain people would like that more than anything else. That's the first thing. If they take power, the devil takes power. That's the first thing he's going to do is close down the, the churches and take away our freedom of religion. Take away our freedom to worship. Don't think he won't do it. He's trying it now. He's testing the waters right now. And bless God, the church is letting them do it. Two Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's talking to the church. The world ain't going to pray for all people. Verse 2 says, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is the reason why we need to pray for this country, all the people in the country, 
for the president and all of, all of the government authorities so that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. Uh, and he said, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's not going to happen if we, don't, if we can't preach safely and peacefully. And I have a couple questions here. Number one, as a church, have we been making petition, praying, interceding, and giving thanks for all people like we should? Number two, have we been praying for kings, our president and governing officials, and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness? Methinks the answer to both those questions is no, we haven't been. Uh, because the results of praying like that would lead to peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And uh, we would be able to preach the gospel freely anywhere we want to, which is happening in a, with a few people. They got this one evangelist going across the country right now, Sean Fuke. And he is just raising up crowds everywhere he goes. And he's not going to the places that accept God. He's going to the places that hate God, and he's raising up crowds there and having revivals. That is happening. There's no doubt about it. But, but he would not be able to do that under a certain leadership in a certain regime. As a matter of fact, they're trying to stop him from doing it when he goes to those places that have that type of leadership. And so we need to be praying for our leaders so that we can have godly, godliness and peaceful lives so that we can preach the gospel and get people saved. I mean, uh, why shouldn't we pray like that? Because this is pleasing to the Lord and it brings people to the knowledge of the truth, which gets people saved. So we should be praying like this. We should want to pray like this. The petitions, the praying, the interceding, the giving of thanks for all people, especially our president, those in authority, uh, obviously has something to do with getting people saved uh, and bringing them to the knowledge of the truth, or he would have never mentioned it in, in verse 4. So if we can't worship and preach the gospel freely and in peace, then we can't get as many people saved as God wants to get saved. And all we're doing is, re, is we're uh, slowing down the harvest. We're, we're causing the harvest to take longer. Uh, this is the problem in communist countries like China and North Korea. The churches had to go underground, which makes them far less effective as it would if they could preach above ground in peace and, and godliness and holiness. And the devil's trying to turn this country into a country that is opposed to God and everything that mentions his name. And he has plenty of people helping him. The devil has no shortage of people to help him with this task. And that's why he's trying his best to push a Marxist, socialist, communist agenda in this country. And I'm being good. I'm not mentioning no names or parties. But the thing about this platform is it is atheistic from its very beginnings. No God. Atheist. They don't want any part of God. You don't find God, I mean, uh, not in a communist country. They suppress God. They suppress the preaching of God. They, they uh, persecute churches and Christians. You, I couldn't preach like this in, in uh, North Korea or China. 
They're underground. I know people in China. We know missionaries in China. Their life is on the line every single day. Every day. And, and the thing about this being atheistic is, is because they have completely removed God from their agenda. He's not a part of their platform. Uh, if they're successful, the first thing they'll do is take away our religious freedom. And make no mistake about it. They'll close our churches and they will remove God from our country. But they will, and they will erase him from our history, which includes the United States Constitution. You stop and think about it a minute. Every place the founding fathers made mention of God will be removed. No history of God being in the founding of this country. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You can erase history. You can deny history. But it's history. It happened. You can't change what happened. All you can do is become woke to it or ignorant of it. But it doesn't change history. History is, is good and bad. There's a lot of bad things that happen in history, but also a lot of good things that happen in history. And we are where we are because of choices that were made by our leaders. Because of choices that were made down through the years, whether they were good or bad, we are where we're at because of what we did in the past. Can't change that. There's forgiveness for it. You learn from it. You change the future with it. But you don't erase it. Amen. Amen. But if God is mentioned in it, they want to erase it. They want to wipe it out. And, and they've already been trying to do it for a number of years now. And I don't think anybody in their right mind really wants to turn our country into a, a communist country. I said in their right minds. But I believe that there are those that are willing to do it if it removes God from this country. And if it gives them the power that they're looking for. They'll do it. But it's really not about a political platform. I'm talking about a movement that involves an antichrist spirit that is growing stronger and stronger, not only in the, in the world, but in this country, and will eventually culminate in the advent of the actual antichrist himself. All of this is preparation for him. But I got to tell you, anyone that wants to step into the arena, uh, that arena and take sides with that agenda is going to find themselves facing off with God himself. God himself is going to be in that arena, and I believe it's going to happen soon. I believe we're going to see God start judging certain individuals and certain things that are going on right after this November election. Mark my words, you're going to start seeing some things right after the election. Certain individuals are going to begin to reap what they've sowed, and he's going to begin by executing judgment, but not on a mass scale, like it will be during the tribulation. He's going to reserve that most of that judgment till after the church is raptured. But this judgment is going to be uh, precise. It's going to be with pinpoint accuracy. It's not going to be like the shotgun effect. He's going to get somebody in his line of sights with a scope, and he's going to target them. And it's going to be almost surgical, like he's going to cut out a cancerous growth, like a doctor would cut out a cancerous growth. This is the type of judgment we're going to see. And I believe it's going to begin with the people that are behind the scenes trying to destroy our country. You know, these things we see going on in the streets, the, the riots, uh, protests, I'm all for protests. Bless their hearts, they got something to say, they should be able to say it. But when it turns into a riot, 
uh, that's evil. There's something wrong with that. That should not be allowed. But they are not the ones that are trying to destroy our country. They are just pawns in a bigger scheme. There is people and organizations, people in power, billionaires that are pouring money into this thing. And, and uh, these people are just puppets. They're just following along. They're being paid for what they're doing. But there is, a, there is an evil plot, an evil plan to destroy this country. And again, I'm not talking about a political party because the devil will use anybody that he can, anybody that's willing. Uh, he don't care if you call yourself a Democrat, a Republican, or, uh, a Libertarian, or, or uh, Independent, or anything else. If you're willing, he's willing to use you. Amen. Amen. And, and, but, you know, these people have been sown discord. Unrest, rebellion, and disrespect for years, and they're about to reap what they've been sowing. Their harvest is right around the corner. And I, like I said, I believe it's going to be precise and pinpoint accurate. And, and it's going to be with certain members of the church first. The church, the house of God, will be judged before anybody else is judged. And uh, I, I'm afraid that there's things going on in got to be careful here. There's things going on in, in, in mega churches, things being taught, platforms being climbed upon, that these ministers of God, so-called ministers of God, have no business having any part in any of this stuff. And even some of the evangelicals have came out and took sides with the issue of abortion, and they said they're going to vote for Biden and everybody they can influence to vote for Biden in spite of the fact that he is pro-abortion, uh, there's many other things that he's doing right. So the church is going to overlook the murder of babies because he's doing other things right. They're going to be judged and they're going to answer for it. Amen. That's all I got to say about that. And then we're going to see judgment hit some of these members of Congress and other politicians. And along with so-called Hollywood elites, they're also going to be shook up. The sports world is about to get shaken. And the reason is, is that these people have overstepped their bounds and they've misused their influence over people for evil. And God's not happy with it. Amen. Amen. And if you're happy with it, something's wrong with you. Amen. They're in for a rude awakening. They're going to get a taste of what they've been dishing out. And you know what? If you want to live in a communist country, move to one. There's plenty of places you can move. Don't try to turn my country into a communist country. Go somewhere that you want to live. Amen. It's a free country. You can leave. Matter of fact, I know a few people pay your plane fare. But Paul said, God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. But the problem is when judgment comes, and it's going to, they're going to blame God. They're going to blame the church for something that they sold for a long time ago.
in the book of Revelation, when the angel poured out the fifth bowl of God's wrath on the beast, this is after the seals were opened, this is after the, the uh, trumpets, and now the judgment, the, the bowls of judgment, uh, poured out his wrath on the beast, which is the world system of that time. God's wrath was so severe that the Bible says men were gnawing their tongues in pain. And here's what's so amazing. The Bible says instead of repenting, they blasphemed the God of heaven and repented not of their deeds. So I'm going to tell you, some of the stuff you're seeing going on now, it ain't going to stop. There's not going to be any repentance. They're going to shake their fist at God even after judgment comes. They're going to face their, shake their fist at God and blaspheme the name of God. And people are, are, are cursing and blaspheming God's name just like that today. They're saying he's a God, uh, he's not a God of mercy. He's not a God of love. He's a mean God. Why is he doing this to us? Why doesn't he leave us alone? He's not fair. He's not fair. But here's a question. Why don't they just repent? But no, they won't repent. Proverbs 19.3 says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. That's what you're seeing today. They blame God for the ruin they brought on themselves. The same foolishness that God warned them about. Not fair, unjust, unleavened, without mercy. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of people blaspheming God and blaming him for things that he didn't do. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. If he wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now. We'd have been wiped out a long time ago. And I don't understand how people can say he's fair. Now, I read the whole Bible all the way to the book of Revelation, to the end of the book of Revelation. And all I see is love and mercy and kindness coming from God. Uh, first of all, he sacrificed his only son for our sins. That's pretty loving. That's pretty merciful. It's totally unfair, not to us, but to his son. That was totally unfair. And then the gospel has been preached for over 2,000 years. He's been preaching the gospel. And then right before he gets ready to judge the earth, he raises up 144,000 virgin Jews to preach the gospel and evangelize the entire world. And they give everybody opportunity to repent and avoid the judgment that's coming. And then he brings forth two supernatural witnesses, and they witness to the whole world and give them the same opportunity that 144,000 did, the same opportunity that preaching the gospel for over 2,000 years did. And then if that wasn't enough, this unfair, unloving, unmerciful, judgmental God, he sends an angel who preaches the gospel in the heavens, in the sky, to every nation, every tribe, in every language. He sends an angel to do that. Does that sound like a God that's not fair? Not to me. And what was their answer? They blasphemed the name of God and repented not to give him glory. They still wouldn't recognize him. Still shook their fists at him and blamed him. Warning after warning, opportunity after opportunity to repent, and they shook their fists at God and said, No, God, we don't want you. We don't want you in our schools. We don't want you in our courthouses. We don't want you in our White House, our country. We don't want you in our lives, and we especially don't want you in our hearts. 
And then they're going to say God is judgmental. And people that accuse God of not being fair should think again. Our God is love. He's merciful. He's long-suffering. He has long patience for us. And our God is more than fair. More than fair. He gives us space to repent. And I'm telling you that, and I'm not the only one saying you can hear it uh, with all kinds of preachers on the inner tube, inner tube, yeah, the inner tube, <laughs> internet, <laughs> the internet, and on television, and, and all kinds of social media platforms. They're all telling us that judgment is coming. The prophecies are telling, the prophets are telling us judgment is coming. And his wrath is going to be poured out. But right now, his grace, his mercy, his love, his patience is being poured out on the earth. We need to take advantage of that right now. Jesus said, work while it is day because nighttime is coming and you won't be able to work. This is our time. This is the church's time to to rise and shine. Hallelujah. And, And we shouldn't be blaming him for not being fair. These people are just going to be reaping what they sowed. And yes, my heart will grieve for them. And I'll feel terrible for them. But they've had every chance to repent. Every chance to change. Every chance to avoid judgment. And they chose not to. They stuck with their guns. They stuck with their platform. They stuck with their candidate. They stuck with whatever they wanted to do is sold to the flesh rather than sold to the spirit. And there's an account for that coming. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got more, but I'm going to quit here. I think I'm still ahead. <laughs> I'm sinking fast. I better quit right here. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Give you glory and honor. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here today in person, each and every one that's in the Facebook audience this morning. We ask God that you would touch them and heal them and bless them, God. We ask God that you would reveal them, yourself to them in a special way. We know you don't have to, Lord. We know that uh, it's, it's a faith thing. We either believe that you are or we, we believe that you ain't. But I know that you're a merciful, loving God. You proved yourself to me when you didn't have to. You showed yourself strong to me when you didn't have to. And I ask you to show yourself to these people, especially those that doubt in a special way. Let them see you for the God that you really are, a loving God, a merciful God, a God that gave your son and he died for us because you love the world so much. So show yourself today, Lord. Show yourself strong. Heal somebody that needs to be healed today, Lord. Give wisdom to somebody that needs to, uh, the, to solve a problem that's in their life and in their family, possibly. But show yourself in some kind of a way. Manifest yourself in some kind of way. We thank you and we praise you for it. Look forward to a good report in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Facebook, we'll see you on Wednesday night. Behave yourself, be careful, and be safe. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Thank you.